Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And I have got such a fun guest for you today, so let me tell you a little bit about him. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Adam Tarno, co-author of The Edge, How to Stand Out by Showing Your All In. Adam also owns a leadership development firm based right here in Dallas, where he creates specialized training to give professionals the soft skills they need to be outstanding leaders. So thanks for joining us today, Adam. I'm very excited to be here. This is great. I think the story of how we met is one really worth sharing. Yes. So tell our audience how we met. I th- we met over email, right? Wasn't yeah. that where it actually yeah. started? Was because I spoke, I think, at a Dallas CPA Society event or a Dallas CPA event. Um, it was their big convergence conference that yeah. they do every year. And so somebody was there in the audience. That's part of the reason I go and do those events because you never know who you're going to meet. And you must have been talking with this person. And they said, I think I've got somebody to be good for the podcast. And it, next thing I know, here I am. I'm here you are. You. About time. And That's you didn't right. even get lost. I'm I so proud. No. <laughs> so yeah. And so the person that um, shared your background with me was Tanya Cedarhall. Okay. Um, she is with Bland Garvey, I believe. Okay. So, But she also belongs to a couple of different organizations. And I love this because this really emphasizes the power of networking, yeah. right? Yep. So she belongs to an initiative that I support, which is Success North Dallas Young executives, but she also belongs to the Texas CPA Dallas, which you have such an interesting mm-hmm. background to how you got to speak to the CPAs. So we'll get yeah. to that in a minute. Yeah. But um, so she had approached us because they're trying to build up their young professionals about co-sponsoring an event. And we did, and it was a huge success. That's awesome. And that's when she was telling me about you. And of course, now she's got credibility with me, right? <laughs> no, no, seriously. That's when awesome. I went, I, and I did some light stalking on the internet to kind of check you out. And then I was yes. like, oh yeah, I'm reaching out to him. That and you were awesome. so gracious. Well, thank you, Tanya. I appreciate the connection. Absolutely. Really thank great. you, Tanya. We do appreciate that. Yes. So I kind of alluded to the fact that you've got a really interesting and diverse background. So yeah. tell us about yourself and some like, from start to finish, how'd you get from where you started to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, really, the only way I know how to describe it or the metaphor I use right now for uh, all the Gen Xers and boomers out there that used to watch Seinfeld, uh, you know, I feel like my career journey has really been like a Seinfeld episode where you have all these different plot lines and you don't know how they're going to connect. And then at the end, they connect. And yes. you're like, oh, that makes total sense. <laughs> and so I had some very strange plot lines in my career journey. This was not part of the plan, but. Uh, everything started off on plan, and that was this, is that I was born in the Washington, D.C. area, went to Clemson University in South Carolina, studied accounting uh, when I was there, never changed my major. My grandfather's an accountant. My dad's an accountant. My birthday's April 16th. Like, it was, I was destined to be an accountant. So I went down there. I was going to study accounting, got my accounting degree, got a job in Atlanta, with one of the big accounting firms to do audit and everything was going great. And so I just- You're like on the career. perfect career path for an accountant. Yep, that was big exactly what firm. I needed yep. to do. So uh, probably 
25, 26 years old, I go through a quarter life crisis of, is this really what I want to do? Mm -hmm. uh, is this the best use of my gifts and my skills? And so long story short, 2002, I move out here to Dallas to start graduate school, want to start another career and uh, ended up getting married. Thought I was going to be here just a few years and then go back somewhere else. I didn't think I was going to be in Dallas for what's been now 20 years. This is the longest I've lived anywhere. Um, met my wife. We got married. We bought a house. We had kids. And then the roots just go deep. And so all said and done, I did about 10 years as a CPA, uh, eight of those in public accounting, two of them with a big retailer here in town in their accounting department. And then I did about 10 years complete career change and went to go work for a nonprofit organization here in town for uh, candidly a big church here uh -huh. in town. I was on staff at a church. So I did like pastoral ministry for 10 years, accounting for 10 years. And then in 2020, the thread that really kind of connects both of those is leadership and leadership mm -hmm. development. And that's always been a passion of mine. And so in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, I thought, what a great time to start a business focused on <laughs> developing leaders, you know, where you have to get in front of people and talk right. and teach. And that sounds like a great idea. And uh, but it's been a, it's been a really fun ride and a fun journey. And so that's what I've been doing the past two years, started a consulting firm focusing on developing leaders, which really that this is where it all comes together. I mean, everything I learned mm -hmm. in my 10 years as an accountant, organizational life, leadership, everything I learned in pastoral ministry about people and leadership it like it all comes together and so i really get to use both of those career tracks which has been a lot of fun that is so interesting and i love that you had that awareness early on yeah that mm, is this really what i want to do because you know i think i told you this i kept on for 20 years yep. doing a career i didn't love yeah and so it's so easy to get misaligned when it you're really young. Is. Yeah. And I mean, it takes courage because all those changes you, I mean, candidly, there's, there's uh, compensation changes. And usually when you make a change in, in a career change like that, it's not more compensation. It's usually right. less. And that's part of the cost of following your heart a little bit and following what you feel like you're good at. And, uh, and that stuff eventually catches up, which I think, you know, when I talk about that in the book that I know we'll talk about here in a moment about for a lot of young leaders, when they're on that journey, trying to figure out what does motivate them. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the things that I feel like I do have a little bit of credibility and experience to tell them, which is uh, don't chase the money. Uh, the oh, money, the yes. money will work itself out. Try to figure out what truly motivates you. What are you best in class at and go find those things. And if you can build a career around that, uh, which, you know, thank goodness we're in America and there's a lot of opportunity mm -hmm. and you can you can really use your skills in a lot of different ways nowadays. And um, and so that's been part of my journey and it's fun to help others on that journey. I love that we are so aligned kind of in our purpose and our path because yeah. I literally had this conversation earlier today with a young lady, year and a half, big four. Yep. And we weren't talking about getting her a new job. This wasn't a cold call. This was a referral. It was actually from her godfather. Okay. And he and he lives in California and she's here and he's like, she needs to get plugged in. You know, can you help her? And yeah. so I'm like, of course I can, you know? And so we're on the phone and the whole time, it was so interesting to me. Recruiting never came up. Mm. And that's what I do for a living. Yep. That's how I get paid. Yep. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I know that's going to come back to me. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, give value first, the money will follow. Absolutely. And, and I was telling her that too. I was like, you need to find out what it is that you love to do, what your passion is, so that you never work a day in your life. Yep. And, and, and the money will follow. It, it typically does. I mean, it doesn't always. I mean, there's certain 
Uh, I also, we were talking before we hit record what we ate for breakfast. I also love peanut butter, right? I'm not going to be able to get paid to eat peanut butter. So I can't follow <laughs> that passion for the rest of my life. I can't just sit around and eat peanut butter and watch old Seinfeld episodes and somebody's going to pay me That's for that. That's probably so it's a good have thing. Some reason. There's got to be some value that you can add to somebody else. Uh, to be able to do that. But yes, generally speaking, the money does That's work a itself out. Really good point. <laughs> Thank you for that. So so tell me about your leadership development and how specific leadership training can um, help improve an organization. Because yeah. I know that we're lacking this so much nowadays. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's always been a hot topic. It always will be a hot topic. Wherever you have organizations filled with more than one person, yeah. uh, you're going to have the need for leaders and you're gonna have some leaders that need to be trained, right? Yes. So unfortunately, for really great reasons, um, there's not a lot of training on some of these, what we traditionally call these soft skills in colleges and universities and graduate programs and things like that right now, which I get, they're busy, there's so much tech, like technical, mm -hmm. uh, so many technical things that they need to cover, that covering some of these relational skills and leadership skills are not always um, in there. but. Yes, what you just said is right too. What I've seen and what I really believe is that anything you want to improve in your organization happens by improving your leaders. And so mm. any business owner right now or leader in an organization, whatever it is, if you want to improve your sales, if you want to reduce costs, if you want to improve your brand value, if you want to improve um, your market share, whatever it is, leaders are going to be needed to execute on that. And so when you improve your leaders, you improve whatever it is in your organization that you want to improve. But unfortunately, leadership skills don't just develop naturally. It's not mm -hmm. one of those things that you just kind of figure it out. Uh, that no. is one way you can do it. But there are some simple skills and just some basic principles that if you can take some time to just sit down and focus on it for, for a period of time, you can start to understand uh, okay, this is how you lead, lead and serve other people, right? And so some of those skills are things like communication and coaching and conflict resolution and delegation and, um, you know, uh, different things like how you build culture. I mean, it's just this list. I've got about 12 or 13 different topics that I go through when I talk to my, uh, talk to leaders that I'm training. Uh, all of it really geared towards how do you apply this today uh, mm -hmm. to help improve your organization. And we're seeing great results, right? And so it's been it's been a lot of fun. That is so awesome. So I am so grateful that I get to sit at the feet of so many greats. And one of those that I've learned a lot from has been Jeff Crilly, who owns mm -hmm. the studio. And he was telling the story the other day, and every time I'm with him, I just learned something new about how when he had decided that this was going to be a family business, because his son and daughter both work here and very in leadership roles, and how he actually um, hired a coach for his daughter for two mm -hmm. years to teach her those very skills. And this yep. is back, I mean, I would say that coaching has probably really hit its stride maybe in the last four years, yep. maybe. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, in some of those things that I saw in the pandemic, the hot uh, industries, if you will, and mm -hmm. jobs, I mean, coaching was near the top of that list. Now, exactly. coaching can mean a hundred different things. Right. So you've got some life coaching, professional coaching, executive coaching. I mean, we're, we're our, our culture is used to hiring one-on-one -on -one help right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so we do that in our personal life, right? Like I've got, uh, as I'm trying to pick up the game of golf again, I hire a coach, right? Yep. To help me with that. Um, we hire personal trainers, we yep. hire people to help us uh, design our homes or whatever it is. So we're very used to tapping into experts who know a little bit more than us, who understand how to motivate people 
we're very used to that. And now we're seeing that that also plays out in leadership. And so, yes, there are some things that are done training-wise where you can read a book, sit in a class, talk to other people, but uh, coaching is certainly a part of it as well. Yeah, I just thought that that was so, because this was probably five or six years ago, that that was so forward-thinking of him. And I think the real purpose of a coach or any type of place where you invest in yourself is to collapse that timeline to success, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, that's what with the young executives, that's what I'm trying to teach them is that, you know, by, you know, looking at what yeah. I'm doing today and what I can teach you how to do today, you don't have to learn how to do it on your own. That's right. You're going to get there so much faster. Yep. And I think that's what a coach does. And it sounds like that's what you're doing with the people yep. that you're bringing up. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all training, right? So yeah. it can be in that group training or the one-on-one training. I really like the way that said. Yes, you, you may be able to figure this out eventually, Yeah. but if we have some intentional effort towards it, we can shorten that timeline and get you there a little bit faster, which who doesn't like that? Right? I totally Save stole that from somebody, so I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. But Cre- I, love, I added a little twist right, on well, it. Well, creativity is just for getting your sources. That's the, all it is, oh, right? So you're, that's I fine, that. that was all you, that was all you. I can't help it, I'm so, one of my core values is authenticity and integrity, and so like if I say something somebody else said, I have to give credit. Oh, that was not me. That it was would, not me. Yeah. It was just gnaw at me, you know? Uh, yeah, I get it. So what are some of the, and you've kind of mentioned a few of them, but yeah. what essential skills do leaders need in order to create sex, success within their organization? And I want a really clear example. Yeah. So, I mean, I think obviously you've got two or three basic categories here, which would be vision. So anything that is forward looking, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a key skill. So leaders... Uh, I like the way my friend John McGee, John McGee talks about this, and now I'm gonna have to give credit, right? Because it's not mine. So you got me feeling. <laughs> Made you feel bad, here. didn't but I? <laughs> anyway, but John McGee talked about this idea that leaders they they live in the future, and then they come back, and they're like, "Come on, let's go!" Right? And oh. So, uh, so some aspect of what's going on in the future. Where do I see the organization going? Where do I want my life to go? Our family to go? Where do I want this team to go? So, vision is going to have to play some aspect of an essential skill for leadership. It's just dreaming about what could be, what should be, what ought to be, and taking that time to think about where are we going, right? Yeah. Where are we going? So that's one essential skill. Uh, there's going to have to be something around results. Right. So we, okay. we want to make sure that we're winning. So whatever those results are for your organization, if it is expanding market share, increasing sales, reducing costs, uh, opening new offices, whatever it is, great leaders can make sure that things are getting done. Mm-hmm. And then the third bucket, I would say, is something around people because you okay. can't do anything great alone. Right. And yeah. so uh, you've got to be able to galvanize and inspire and communicate well so that you can get the people uh, to be moving towards those results so you can ensure that great future. So those are those are three of the the main, like if I think about essential skills at the bare level, there's gonna have to be some vision, some results, and then something with people and making sure that you can interact well. And so, and I often reflect on, you know, my current company because I, and I think I mentioned this to you when we talked that I have never worked for a company such as this. And yeah. it is absolutely amazing and refreshing. And I love to get up and go to work in the morning and be with the people there. But the leadership is also, and and that's what I'm thinking of, because if you think about it, starting a podcast, when you're a recruiting agency, that requires a lot of vision. Certainly does, yeah. That that was huge. That was very forward thinking, like you said. Yeah. And then coming back and like, here we are three years later, like when we first started, we're like, I don't know. That's right. (laughs) What's this gonna look like? Yeah, and you have to have that, that vision gives you that momentum because your first couple episodes you put out there and you don't know if people, do they even know what's out there and how yep. do you get that brand awareness? And so some of that, that fortitude 
to be able to to continue on down the path that you're convinced of uh, is really essential in leadership as well. And keeping all those people inspired. Yeah. Right? Because they're like, we tried this. We don't even know if it's working. No, it's going to. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so interesting because now that we're three years into this, it's to the point now we're like, all right, we did it. Let's make it bigger. Yep. And so I'm like, let's go. And so you got me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I'm so I know we talk a lot about culture and how mm. important that is. And so especially like, how can a job seeker identify red flags during an interview about yeah. the culture? Yeah. And I just had this conversation with the, I always say that, but I really did just have this conversation with a candidate. So I'm curious to hear your take. I, I like, and this was a really thoughtful question to think through because if I, if I'm answering that after having some time to think about it, I think the question I would ask is some of your top performers right now in the organization, where did they come from? Mm. Okay. And, and uh, so my family and I have got two, two boys, a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old, and my 12-year-old plays a lot of baseball. Mm -hmm. We're a big baseball family. We like watching baseball. We're trying to visit ballparks and seeing, we've seen 12 of them so far. And so oh, nice. baseball is a big deal. So I think about the teams that are having so much sustained success right now have a great farm system, meaning they're minor league teams. That's where a lot of their talent is coming from. And yep. so they have this this great system of developing great young players. Mm -hmm. And so then those great young players are making it to the major leagues. I'm thinking about the Dodgers right now. I'm thinking about the Padres. And there's some teams that are really experiencing success. And part of their success is not that they just went out and spent a bunch of money on free agency, that they, they grew their leaders at home. And I think if I'm, if I'm talking to an organization and I just want to know what the culture of development and leadership is like, that's a fair question. Where, where some of your top performers right now, where do they come from? Did you have to woo them away from another organization or have they been around for a while? Because that'll let me know, number one, are performers feeling like there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. here, that there's some, a path to success. Uh, performers are being rewarded with more opportunity. So that would, I think, be the first question I would ask is where where are the all-stars coming from right now? I think that's brilliant, actually. Hmm. I, I really do. And I'm sitting here thinking because if you think about it, and you're familiar with this world, the big four, yep. the big four public accounting firms, now that I think about it, they very rarely hire at any level other than entry that's straight right. out of college. That's right. And yep. they hire the best of the best and they teach them. They do. And, and, you know, and there's a little bit of a numbers game because the numbers that they hire versus who makes it to partner, there's obviously some attrition mm -hmm. there. Um, so they may play some of that numbers game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's an exception and somebody will email us. But, um, <laughs> but most of the time, somebody that's making partner at one of the big four, they started there yeah. uh, or at least started in that industry. Maybe they started at, at Ernst & Young and then went over to Deloitte or maybe they started at PwC and then went to Deloitte, whatever it is. But uh, it's not like they got the CFO from another big company right. in town and said, hey, come be an audit partner. Exactly. Right? And so they're very used to developing their own their own talent. So if I'm if I'm in, uh, talking to a young candidate or a young leader and saying, "What's a great organization to go work for?" Well, you can point to those firms and go, mm -hmm. "Those are great. They're going to develop you. There's tons of opportunity. There's not only opportunity in your city. There's opportunities around the world. You're going to work two years in one. That's right. <laughs> now there's <laughs> so going to be a gonna, lot. There's a lot. Double the experience. <laughs> but but at least you've got hope to know they've yes. got a development plan. There's a track, and they have a track record of being able to develop great leaders. Well, in in our world. That's kind of the gold standard of an accounting career is 
you start off in big four, you move into industry, right. and then you grow your way up. So, you know, people, and this is probably too much information, but when we talk to our clients, we get a lot of, I want a big four public combo CPA. That's it. That's yep. the magic mix yep. right there. Yep. So I'm sure you've heard that. So are you now, are you still a CPA? I keep my license. It's in my wallet over there. Like I, I still keep it. Because you worked hard for that. Yeah, I did. And so I don't let it lapse. But <laughs> I, I take the uh, non-practicing exemption every year, but I still I still pay the state to keep that license active. Oh my gosh. I can totally understand yeah. why you would do that. I told you my story about the CPA, didn't I? No. What is it? <laughs> well, I did the whole career thing and then found myself having to look for a job. And at the level I was at, you typically don't get hired unless you have a CPA. So I thought, I'll go back and get my CPA. This is several, many, not going to say how long years out of school, right? Yeah. That's when I switched to recruiting. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> That's good a move. tough That's test. A good move. It is a tough test. I don't. That's I, not the only reason, but I won't lie. That was part of it. Oh, it's a it's a beast. Yeah, it's a beast. And so. I talk to people all the time that have let it lapse, and I'm like, Are you insane? Yep. Why? I Why know. would you work that hard? Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Okay. So you just finished your book. Yes. The Edge. Yes. Tell me about it. Tell me everything. Yeah. So started, I mean, just finished kind of, right? So we, these are long, long processes as I'm, I'm sure you know. So yeah, we started, uh, I wrote with a, a buddy of mine named David Morrison. Okay. We've been friends for a long time. And so David and I started in about, I mean, I really think it was like January 1st or 2nd of 2021 of, uh, you know, maybe started off with some altruistic kind of a, let's write a book to our 25 year old self, mm. right? And the, what what is it gonna take to be successful uh, to that young emerging leader? We both, uh, we both laugh and joke about it this way that we have spent most of our career in middle management and we just understand the pressure that is there in middle management where you've got leaders from above that are barking mm -hmm. orders down and they have high expectations and you've got a team below you that is, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. and just that pressure of being stuck in the middle. And, um, and so we really wanted to try to encourage that person, that emerging leader, what are some ways to show that they're all in? And so that, that's where it really started. As we got into the research, uh, we also realized that now maybe is the greatest time in the history of corporate America to stand out uh, because the it, employee engagement statistics are just abysmal. I mean, they're, yeah. they're terrible. And so there's one way to look at that, which is, oh my gosh, that's, that's really bad. And there's so much literature that's out there to the leaders, the team leaders going, it's your fault. You got to try harder. And in some ways that's right. You know, mm -hmm. the leaders are responsible for that, but I think there's another side to that conversation. And that is, hey, emerging leaders, the bar is low. Like it is really low. It does not take much. To get noticed right now so yeah. one of the big you know hot topics that i'm seeing a lot out on linkedin right now is this idea of quiet quitting i was just yeah. about to ask you about that yeah quiet quitting so it's, it's just people crazy. just going i'm just giving up yeah right, and i'm here and i'm sitting there going that's fine right you can make your own choices but anybody that's professionally or career-minded i'm yeah. going you got an opportunity right yeah. now and it's amazing and so so what are the simple things you need to do to give your career an edge, and that edge is an acronym, and it stands for energy, diligence, growth, and endurance. And so mm -hmm. if you can be somebody that every day shows up with a positive attitude, that diligence of uh, the care and persistence that you show towards your job, you have this growth mindset for you as a person and for the organization, and you have endurance, right? You have the ability to bounce back from adversity. 
That, if you can just do those four things, just watch out because the bar's low, everybody's <laughs> quiet quitting, and you are going to have bosses that are just going, you, You're more, here's more opportunity, right? <laughs> and so, uh, so that's what we want to do is be able to help out uh, that, that emerging leader, just giving them a cheat sheet on how to be successful. I love that. So if you had to pick one of those areas, which one would you pick to talk about? And maybe not as being most important, but being super important to that emerging leader. Yeah, I think right now, especially, you know, you and I are recording this not to timestamp it, but in 2022. So mm -hmm. we are uh, a couple years into this pandemic. Uh, we're a couple years into a lot of bad news, mm -hmm. right? And so I think right now, energy is the one that is is the one that I keep thinking about, even for my own life. I mean, here's what's interesting. Now that the book is like, it's done and we're getting it published. I'm also looking at this going, you never outgrow these four components. Yeah. So this is the way for me to keep my edge as a professional, you know, nearing 50 is I still need to bring positive energy, take my, jo my job serious, yeah. want to grow and be able to bounce back from adversity. So the one for me that I think is really important is that energy piece because it is so easy. It is so easy right now to become pessimistic, mm -hmm. to just believe the sky is falling and to just come in with your shoulders down and just like, can you believe what they did again? You know, and the organization gossip is rampant. There are so many people that uh, want to just kind of tear you down and bring you on their negative journey with yeah. you. And so just to bring some positive energy, uh, which would be some uh, optimism, some gratitude, gratitude. being motivated. Uh, you, you do those three things and I think you're, you're your whole team, but especially your boss is going to go something different about you. Yeah. You know, I will tell you probably one of the best things that I ever did in my life, both personally and professionally, is I quit letting people share negative stuff with me, right. like the gossip. Yep. Not uh, not like if somebody's hurting or something's no, happened sure. in their life, yeah. but I'm talking about those people that want to make stuff up because it usually is made up. Yep. They think it's real, but it's made up. You know, they filled in the gaps you know, and what they didn't know. Yep. And then they tell you all this stuff. And I'm thinking of one person in particular that I used to have this issue with. I mean, she would just feed my head all day long about how horrible the people were around yep. us. And I was like, felt so sorry for her. And I started believing her. And I was like, and finally one day I woke up and I was like, this isn't truth. No. And as soon as I cut that off, my whole energy level just completely changed. It's amazing. Yeah. It is so contagious. I think the positivity can be contagious. Yes. And the negativity is certainly contagious. And, and you're right, it does take that, what is potentially an awkward conversation to say, yeah. hey, I don't need that anymore, right? Yeah. Like I'm trying to limit some of this. You can tell me um, what you bought when you went shopping the other day. That's but... right. <laughs> and if you've got a real issue that you need to brainstorm with me on how to engage in a conversation with somebody mm -hmm. that's frustrating you, I'm all in for that. Yes. But if you just want to go, can you believe? I mean, first of all, I hear those words and I still am like, well, I'm, no, but what is it? Right? Yeah. Like, I want to hear that gossip. I really do. Yeah. It's, it's pretty toxic for my heart uh, to hear it over and over and over again. So, yeah. so that one really stands out, that, that energy, that positive energy. That is one thing that I really work on is that, you know, I mean, I'm sure your grandparents, your parents probably told you this, but if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Right. How yeah. many times did you hear that growing yeah. up? You yeah. know, uh, uh, quite, a, quite a bit. Exactly. <laughs> but it's so true. Yeah. I'm seeing so many things that my grandparents and my parents used to tell me when I was growing up. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you told me that's what that means. That's right. Garbage in, garbage out. That's right. It's yeah. another good one. <laughs> yeah. And now there is a qualifier to put on this because, I mean, it's like um, if we see terrible things happening in our organization, that is not the time to go, hum diddly oh, it's all great. Right? Exactly. So if you see 
um, there is lying, there is cheating, there is stealing, there is uh, just some horrible things that are happening yes. there, speak up, right? That is okay. You don't have to have a solution. Just go, we need to work on this. Yes. I agree with that. 90% of the other stuff, though, is just like, listen, they're just trying to pull you off sides with their negativity. And yeah. uh, you got to watch that. I can't stand that. Yes. This has been amazing. Well, thanks. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah. But nobody gets out of here without answering our VIP questions. Let's go. Let's go. I'm ready. I've got my answers. You do? I do. Okay. I do. All right. All right. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Number one, my wife. Okay. Because I love her and she's the best, right? And so I would want to be on Mars with her. I'm not going to bring my kids. Uh, interesting. I was curious about I that. I don't know what's going to happen up there, right? And so I, until we can like make sure this is for real, then I'll bring them. So, okay. But I'm, I'm taking my wife with me. Uh, I want my laptop. I assume that there's going to be the internet, right? So I want to be able to send emails and uh, watch YouTube and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, and then I'm bringing my golf clubs because I want to set the course record, the first course in, on Mars. I'm setting the course record. <laughs> You're serious right? about so this. I, those are the three things I'm going to bring to Mars. You know what? And I meant to ask you earlier, too, because you do something that's so interesting when it comes to personal development. And we were talking, and I love this, and I know we've read a lot of the same books, but you actually rate your books. Uh, yeah. Tell us about your rating system. Yeah, this is my biggest accounting nerd. If I haven't convinced you yet that I'm a CPA <laughs> at heart, then this will do it. But yeah, it's... Uh, I, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I just sat down to say, can I write down in an Excel spreadsheet every single book I remember reading? And then, and so it started 10 years ago where I went back and I, you know, I'll write down who the author was, what was the name of the book, what was the year it was published, what year did I read it? And then I give it a, a ranking on a scale of one to five. That seems yeah. like such a small ranking. I know, but if like when you can you do like four point five? Yeah, and I'll do point fives, but I won't okay. do point two five. So you can do, you know, you can have a two point five. So it's one, one point five, two, two point five, all the way up to five, and um, and so it's been great. And then now every time I read a book after I'm done, I put it on the bookshelf, and then I go to my my little spreadsheet and I just fill it out and keep track. So it's a way for me to keep track of all the books I've read. And that is awesome. Yeah, so you need to read fun. the one I just recommended the compound effect and tell me what you think. Yes, okay. I, I need to I know what that. rating it gets. Okay. I will do that. <laughs> okay. See if I'm allowed to recommend any more That's books. Right. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Yeah. I mean, I, right. I think that's probably yeah? it's, uh, I'm on a streak right now of 530 some odd days in a row wow. of waking up and writing at least one sentence of content. And That's it's awesome. It's been one of the best, like one of the best things I've done for my professional life and my personal life is just, you know, obviously you get up, you get the coffee, all that kind of stuff, but then sit down and just go, the first thing I'm going to do before I get to anything else, most of the time it's the first thing. I mean, every once in a while, uh, there's other things I need to do, but I'd say 95% of the days, that's, that's the first thing awesome. I do is to do some writing. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. I journal, so I'm not doing content for others. Similar. I'm doing content for me. Yeah, that's great. So it's just that discipline of yep. getting what's here down on paper and then it's seeing so what you want to do with it. Yeah. So therapeutic. Yeah. Okay. Final question. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, yes. what would the headline be? I think in this, I'm going to read it. It is possible to be a creative CPA and not go to jail. <laughs> I think that that's what that's what my headline that was would be. awesome. Well, thank you. So. <laughs> that was really good. I like that. And not go to jail. He's yeah. not doing Enron. Guys. It's, it's, uh, in my career journey, especially like when I went on staff at, at the church, and people are like, "So you're kind of creative, but you were a CPA." Like, and I'm like, "I know creative CPAs usually go to jail." Yeah, I've been able to avoid that. So I think now I'd say. 
It is possible. It is possible. I agree. I agree. How do people find you? Uh, AdamTorno.com. And if they want to find out, it's uh, T-A-R-N-O-W.com. You can go to MyEdgeBook.com as well, and you can learn about the book. And and I know when this episode comes out, the book will be ready. Um, And so all kinds of other resources on MyEdgeBook.com. But uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Follow me on LinkedIn. That's where I found you. Yep. That's exactly right. I love it. I love it. Well, here's two connections. Yeah, for sure. So just one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.